When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's like watching Game of Thrones, you know, when you first, if you first started watching it without knowing anything about it, like, oh, that main, the main, that's, I thought that was the main guy. He's not going to be in it for the rest of the seven years now. Like, but who's, who's, and that, now that person's dead and that person's dead. Well, it also throws you off in terms of pacing because you're not sure how long any one of these vignettes will take. Hey everyone, thank you for making it so far. This is episode 101 of the Flix Watcher podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Flix Watcher podcast. Today I'm joined by Alice. Hello. And Mike. Whoop. And as always, that's great whoop. Helen. Whoop whoop. And we're going to be talking about the Coen Brothers flick, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Come find us on Twitter at Flix Watcher pod. Visit the website flixwatcher.tv for full listings and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. There will be bad language. There will be spoilers. I hope you enjoy it. See you later. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. In our studio today, we have Mike and Alice. If you would like to say hello to our listeners, please. Uh, hello, listeners. I'd like to as well. Hello. <laughs> so if you can do, just give us a bit of a... Well, tell us about your podcast, tell us about you, you're both comedians, tell us a bit about yourselves, guys. Uh, sure. My name is Mike Kaplan. I live in New York City. I do comedy, uh, I'd say mostly in America, but happily other places like here as well. Uh, we're in England right now. I don't know if uh, that's a secret. Well, welcome. Thank you so much. This was probably your last time to come here Absolutely. safely. Got, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, what, what is safety? Um, I have been doing comedy for 16, 17 years. I've done it on TV a few times in America. You can search for uh, my albums. I have a special that you can watch on Amazon. I think most places, I think Amazon took over most of the world. So uh, my yeah. special is called Small, Dork, and Handsome. My most recent album, as of this recording, is called No Kidding. And my podcast is called Broccoli and Ice Cream, where I talk to guests about the work and joys of their lives, as represented by Broccoli and Ice Cream. Uh, and I think that's that's most of, yeah. uh, if you search for M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N, that's Mike Kaplan, the weird way that I spell it. Uh, you'll find me on all of the social media platforms and you'll you'll find me everywhere. Thanks for finding me. <laughs> <laughs> and yourself, Alice? Uh, well, I, well, my name's Alice Fraser and I have also been doing comedy for a little while. I have 
depending on your your entry point price point, I have a free trilogy of my stand-up specials that's available as a podcast. It's called the Alice Fraser Trilogy, and I assume you know how to get podcasts if you're listening to this. Uh, I also have my special, uh, which is the middle one of the trilogy, that's called The Resistance, and that's available on Amazon Prime, but also on uh, on my website if you don't if you don't sign up to Amazon. And I'm kind of all over the place as well, uh, internet-wise. Um, it's yeah. it's a it's a fun life. So both of you are on Amazon Prime. So whoever's listening, if you have Amazon Prime, go there and type MYQ, get Mike, and get and type in Alice Fraser. Is it wrong to be uh, plugging shows that are on the kind of alternative to Netflix? Uh, well, they don't pay <laughs> yeah, us. Netflix do they? don't pay us, so yeah, yeah plug away. Yeah, so. Mine also was on Netflix. So was it? If that helps you, <laughs> was so they took it off. Uh, yeah, it was uh, too rude. Uh, I guess so. Um, it was recorded uh, and like produced by not Netflix before they were creating their own content. So I think it recorded in 2013. Mm. It appeared on Netflix from 2014 to 2017. And that was the length of like the initial contract after which they were like, we're making our own stuff now. I, they didn't say that specifically, but I, that's my interpretation. Well, that's what they're doing with all, like even the Disney stuff. They've just gone, Jessica Jones, fuck off. <laughs> so they're just doing their own stuff now because I guess it's more cost effective. Um, right, we're here talking about we're talking about their own stuff. This is Buster's, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is a Netflix original, uh, as helmed by the Coen Brothers, Joel and Ethan. Um, Mike, you chose this film. I did. Can you tell us why you chose it and give us a two minute synopsis? I'll do my best. Please. Uh, the time is starting now. So, uh, I chose it uh, because I'd heard a lot of people talking about it, uh, and because whenever I opened Netflix, it popped into my face, and also because, more specifically, I do really enjoy everything, pretty much everything that I've seen by the Coen brothers. Like, I don't love it all equally, uh, but I think it's all very interesting, uh, like, in different ways that are, like, appealing. And so, this particular film uh, I would learn upon watching is uh, six short vignettes or six maybe long vignettes. I don't know how short or long a vignette is. Uh, the the title, the, the titular uh, vignette, uh, which I thought might have been the whole movie until it ended. I was like, wow, a lot of stuff is happening real fast. Uh, a guy, like a, a weird looking cowboy who uh, sings and apparently has a lot of nicknames and reputation. Uh, and he's good at shooting guns and singing songs. And he gets into battles of both of them. And uh, I don't, I know that I'm allowed to spoil things, but uh, I feel like, you know, just just watch it. It's, uh, it's, del it's delightful. Uh, the next one, James Franco is a bank robber. Uh, he's or James Banco is a Frank robber. That's a fun thing you can say if you want. Uh, and Stephen Root is the banker that he's robbing, who is you know the uh, Milton from Office Space. He's oh is that him? Oh yeah. Oh, okay, I was trying to work out where I knew him from. Oh yeah, he. I mean, he's been in so many things. I just well, saw he him was in, he yeah. was in um, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, he's he's been yeah. in so much. I, I just watched him in an episode of uh, The Good Wife, a show that I love. Also on Amazon, if you want to watch that. Uh, but uh, stop plugging yeah. Amazon. <laughs> uh, then Liam Neeson plays uh, sort of a, an old surly guy who's uh, carting around a legless, armless uh, orator uh, to different towns to make money. I think that one's called Meal Ticket, and it's I think in some ways uh, the darkest of them uh, ends. Super dark. My girlfriend, so delightful. We watched together. She was like seeing the choice being made. She was like, okay, what's he? Oh, just don't don't go that direction. Just don't. She thought that he was trying to decide whether to go over this rickety oh, no. cliff uh, with their cart. But in fact, uh, that was not the choice being made at all. Uh, then uh, Tom, Tom Waits, maybe uh, my 
I, I really loved a lot of it, uh, but he he played a prospector, mm-hmm. finding gold, talking to the gold, uh, and then running into potential other humans uh, cause a lot of trouble in this, like such a beautiful natural world. Uh, and then we had uh, Zoe Kazan, Kazan yeah. uh, of, uh, what's that, Kumail's movie, Kumail and Emily's- The Sick, The Big yeah, Sick. The Big Sick. Uh, she, and there's also a, sort of a big sickness in this one as well. Mm. She's uh, traveling to across the, the Oregon Trail uh, and there's uh, trouble with money and uh, family dying, and uh, and there's and a, a, and a dog. A, and, oh yeah, there's a, a dog annoying dog people. Mayhem. And also there are uh, what quote unquote savages. Uh, that was that I think that's maybe my least favorite part mm. of of the movie is uh, sort of the just like straight ahead like old fashioned like oh quote cowboys and Indians and where the, because I don't I'm I'm sure there are there have been of course warlike uh native peoples but uh that is not I feel like that's a stereotype that is presented and uh there's nothing like sort of the 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 western people the white people the cowboys are like the good guys and uh I don't think that that is uh as nuanced a view as uh as is my favorite these days but I do understand the context in which uh, it is presented. And then the final one, uh, also one of my favorites, uh, kind of the first one, there's a lot of death. The last one, there's also perhaps a lot of death. Uh, there's at least some death and mm. it's just people riding in a stagecoach somewhere or maybe not somewhere who can say, uh, and it's just like a conversation between these three characters or five characters, a bunch of people who think that they're, I've, they're right and think that their their way is good, or maybe they don't think. Maybe they're just uh, a lot. Of, a lot of people being their different selves, I guess, is uh, my my basic uh, summarization of kind of the whole thing. Twitter um, pre Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we do. Have, that was quite a long synopsis, but this this film actually is split up into six parts. So, so I should have hard. had twelve minutes. Oh well. Okay. Well, you did well with the time. So it's very short. Um, Alice, what were your thoughts on Buster Scruggs and what the whole film? as it's presented to us on Netflix? I mean, I, I liked it very much. I, th- I Some of it I didn't like. The, the There was this kind of dark tone that mm. kind of, I think, wore on me a little bit, a sort of a relentless, uh, not pessimism, but cynicism about human nature in these hard conditions. Well, every vignette has, apart from the last one where it's not so explicit, every single vignette ends in a death um, and the lightest one, I guess, was the Tom Waits one where there is a death in it, but, you know, the, the prospector guy who we're following, he manages to escape. Everyone else, like, dies. At it's the pretty death-heavy. It's pretty tragic, isn't it? Well, yeah, so it's sort of this juxtaposition of extremely beautiful cinematography, very mm. kind of hyper-real, intense, um, very uh, colour-graded. Each each vignette has a different tone in the, in the visuals, and the natural world is presented as extremely beautiful, if harsh, whereas human nature is presented as extremely dirty. Um, and it's 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 an interesting sort of uh, flip, maybe because it's the 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 conceit of the of the film is that it's these stories from a book, yeah. an old fashioned book in which these characters are quite two dimensional for the most part. Their motives are obscured, even perhaps from themselves. They act without seeming to think about acting very much. Um, even when they're seen to be contemplating, you feel like there's wheels moving rather than thought happening. Um, and and almost inevitably they make what I would see as b- bad choices or certainly harsh choices. 
also along with the there's like the, the juxtaposition in the very first one. I think that tone was like the cartoonist, cartooniest, like yes. the most cartoonish, like because this man is you know like at sometimes like gruesomely killing people, uh, while all, and then breaking into song and like you know yeah. uh, the, like the scene where he kills a man with a table, yeah, uh, and and then starts like jumps up and dances and sings on the bar and everybody in the place is like singing and dancing. Oh, it's like, and he's like lying there like with a bloody face on the floor and everybody else singing and dancing until, is it Jack Black like runs in? Is it Jack Black? It certainly looks like, it's it's certainly a man who looks like Jack Black a great amount, whether it is or not, uh, runs in, who is the dead man's brother. And then he is the only person at that moment responding like as I think our emotions were or are be like the, a man is he's he's like you know sobbing and playing it completely you know straight and dramatic in very stark contrast to uh, the the Broadway musical number that's you know or the Disney like singing that's going on around everyone having a joyful time uh, and so I, I also like that that sort of really set the stage to like have any ex like that also sort of like a microcosm of what would come is just like even within that one you know 10 or 15 minute mm. or however long vignette that was there's like such horror and such like joy uh, being presented simultaneously so do, do you think if it had been presented in a different order you would have found it a lot harder to swallow then is that what you- perhaps well in that that first setup yeah um it tells you that anything can happen, that you can have both realistic human emotions and completely cartoonish events or responses from anybody. You don't know how anyone is going to react or how anyone is going to behave because there are really no norms. Um, And especially, like, I sincerely didn't know it was uh, a collection. I thought that it was one one film just called uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And so when, especially... (laughs) the way that it ended, I, like things kept happening so quickly. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. When, you know, in a, a two hour, it's like watching Game of Thrones, you know, when you first, if you first started watching it without knowing anything about it, like, oh, that made the main, that's, I thought that was the main guy. He's not going to be in it for the rest of the seven years now. Like, but who's, who's, and that, now that person's dead and that person's dead. Well, it also throws you off in terms of pacing because you're not sure how long any one of these vignettes will take. Yes. So you're not sure what the... You have a, a sort of a sense with most movies or most television shows what the rhythm of the narrative is going to be. You kind of know what pace things happen at. And you start to get... The first vignette was quite a short one. Yes. yes. And so then it, everything's happening so quickly, but then the second one is much more sort of relaxed in its pace. And mm. you're like, well, maybe this is the rest of the movie and the Buster Scruggs one was a almost sort like of a start, short at the like beginning. a short before... before or a Pixar film, yeah. almost. Yeah, and also that I think that's a great. I was I wondered as it ended. I was like, oh, this is on Netflix. It could have been like a series. It could have been mm. you know six episodes of a show. But then even I don't know if this was specific. I'm sure. Like I I heard a thing once. Uh, it's like assume this is at an improv theater, just like for when you're working with people. Like uh, a sign backstage that said, assume that everyone is a genius and everything is on purpose. So whether or not this was part of their intent, I'm like, I'm sure that they put a lot, a lot more thought into this than my questioning right now. But I initially, like right after I watched it, I was like, I wonder why they didn't do it as episodes. And yeah. one reason is like, if it's an episode, they'd be like, oh, this one's almost over. At least you can look at like, how long is it going to take? Because you look at the bar, it's like, oh, it's half done. It's two minutes left. But for for this, because you don't know where each chapter ends, it's, I mean, like life itself, which is a lot of, you know, what this thing is about, what, what everything is about, life, death, uh, singing. That's all it is. Uh, 
like just you don't know. Like, you know, you're like, oh, prop, maybe. At least you know the whole thing is whatever, two hours and 13 minutes or whatever it is. Uh, that'd be nice to know for life. Yeah, your whole life is going to be like 90 years, but you don't know when you're going to, like when, you know, certain uh, <laughs> physical or mental incapacities might start kicking in. Or but and so similarly, like, oh, what, when is it? When, when will people die is like the ultimate question. What were your thoughts, Helen? So um, my, I, I think I'm a Coen Brothers fan, although with each film that comes along, <laughs> I find that I don't actually like it. So I'm questioning whether I am actually a what Coen Brothers fan. What was the one before this was Hail Caesar, wasn't it? Yeah. Which, which was also a bit vignette-y. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this film is, is boring. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, this is, I tried to watch it, likewise, um, Netflix. You want to watch this film? It's new. Um, and got maybe 20 minutes in and... I think, yeah, just the, the death. Um, yeah, I didn't really want to watch that much death. and That seems like two different things, that it's mm. boring or too much death. But that's, that, that is kind of maybe, maybe why maybe death should be given a little bit more weight rather than being seen as this sort of almost abstract uh, thing. Uh, yeah, I had to stop after the fourth one uh, and take a break uh, of a couple of days because it was this... <laughs> yeah, and it's two, two hours and 13 minutes to sit there. So, I mean, maybe if it had been a mini-series and it had been flesh, each one had been fleshed out a little bit more, then, I don't know, you may you might build kind of a connection to the characters because we only meet them for so long. And are you meant to feel sorry for them? Are you meant to feel sad when they die? I did don't we, know. Did everyone watch this in one sitting or did everyone else have a stop it after? I did a, watch it in one, in one sitting. sitting. Yeah. yeah. I, I stopped at the, after the fifth one, cause I thought actually I could go to bed now and then just pick it up tomorrow <laughs> for the last 25 minutes. Um, it's quite interesting. It doesn't bode well for its engagement score. Uh, well, it does. I really enjoyed it, but I just thought because the opportunity was presented there and it had, I had no real particular reason to remember what happened beforehand. I just thought, well, let's go to bed and feel fresh and watch it rather than be what's in the last chapter when I felt tired. I thought I'd rather watch it when I'm feeling more refreshed. Well, I think this is interesting in part because it's one of the first... Um things that I've seen on a mainstream kind of gatekeeper-type medium mm. that has taken advantage of the capacities of the internet, which is that you can do things for as long or as short as they need to be done. You can tell the story in whatever time it needs to yeah. be done. I remember having this fight with my trilogy when because I put it up on the ABC and they said people won't listen to more than half an hour of audio at a time. And I don't know where they got that information. They're, um, obviously, they're coming from radio. Sure. And I said, but they're three one-hour shows. I wrote them as one-hour shows. Yeah. Why can we not put them out as three one-hour shows? And then I'll give you three extra episodes. If you want a six-episode series, I'll give you three behind-the-scenes episodes. And I recorded those three. And they were like, no, no, no. We argued about this for weeks and eventually I folded and let them cut them up into half-hour episodes because they had this just intense feeling mm. that things have to be this. A certain, a certain it's taking away the fact that someone would choose whether they wanted to listen to it in the one hour or whether they'd want to break it up themselves. Well, yes, for me, I, I regularly download podcasts that are four hours long, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History or mm. The Dollops, usually like an hour and a half, Mark Maron's episodes go forever. And you, you sort of... You stop and start when you want to when on your you terms. When you want to on yeah. your terms. And, and I kind of wanted to play the experiment of seeing if I could pull people in for the full hour or the full three hours. It's, do you guys know the, the old Yogi Berra joke where he goes into a pizza place, orders a whole pie, and they say, would you like it cut into six or eight slices? And he says, you better make it six. I don't think I could eat eight. <laughs> and, and that 
Well, obviously, part of the joke is, I mean, he's like a, a wise fool that, uh, like, initially seems just like a complete fool, but sincerely, like, when things are, like, there are books that if the chapter is, like, every chapter is two pages, mm. then I'll read more. Like, I have a, a joke I'm working on about how, like, I won't generally sit down to watch a two-hour movie on Netflix because that's a very large commitment, but I will watch one half-hour episode of a show and then do that 17 times in a row. <laughs> like, because each each time the, you know, that short period ends, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll keep going, yeah. I'll keep going, I'll keep going. But it does seem, like, I feel like it's, at least for me, you know, the idea of, like, the authority is like, this is an hour, you're, you're meant to do this. You know, you go to the theater, you watch the whole movie. You, like, obviously, sometimes you have to, and now you don't. Well, yeah, I mean, I, there's there's an argument for consent as part of this process of that that being repeatedly asked for consent would have made this uh, six-vignette movie maybe a little bit more uh, digestible in that it, you might have engaged with all six if you hadn't been asked to watch all six in a row. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know, quite shocked that you found it boring because I, I thought it was anything but boring. But, um, I mean, which was which was your favourite vignette that you that you watched? Or least favourite, if that's a better way to... Which one offended you the, the most least? Yeah. <laughs> um, what affected you the most? Yeah. All right, I'll, 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 <laughs> anyone else who's got the fav- least favourite on, come back, tell them when you've had a, a chance uh, to think. I So the ones that uh, I really, I enjoyed, I guess I'm better now at enjoying things that aren't my exact favourite. Like, I feel like I've come from like a place where I wanted to just put in like maximize my experience. And if something isn't like, if, if I'm not enjoying it, then why go? Like I definitely enjoyed the whole thing. Like I loved, I, I really liked the first one a lot. Like I felt like that, uh, I love, I like sing. I like when there's singing in a Coen <laughs> Brothers movie. Like, like singing it, at the start and the end of singing as well. Uh, in the last one. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, that, that was different though. <laughs> in a way, but I also, I did love the first and the, and the last, I think, uh, made a lot, like, made me feel the way that a beginning and an ending, like, I liked it. I feel like the beginning started, it did, it was, like, full of life and then not, and then the end was, like, full of death and then, and also not. And I, I feel like, I mean, the Tom Waits one was, like, the one that maybe made me feel, like, the most tender and, like, perhaps also because it was, like, the most classic, like, oh, at least it it ended with the bad guy, the quote-unquote bad guy yeah. dying. Like, the good guy, like, the most clearly uh, victorious, like, for our, you know, our spirit and our emotional well-being as opposed to, like, I feel like the Zoe Kazan one, the, the you know, the Oregon Trail one was also, like, I liked the characters a lot. I liked the relationships. Uh, I also, I just love Stephen Root and the bank robbery like and oh that that one had I think the the line that I laughed at the most when uh there were, so James Franco uh when he was on being, the gallows uh, on the gallows yeah being about to be hanged for what was his second hanging and there's a guy losing it next to him mm. just like bawling and then James Franco looks at him and he's like first time like <laughs> just I mean what a it's like that's a situation that almost I mean it couldn't I couldn't like I'm like how did, how did, like, they constructed it. Like, that, I feel like almost couldn't happen in real life to be, like, you know, the the thing that normally, like, weeks later, you'd be like, oh, I should have said that funny thing. But, like, that yeah, yeah. is at the gallows, <laughs> at, like, the last possible chance to make a joke, only a joke wherein you had to have been almost hanged, like, just, you know, recently or once before. A thing that I think, may, maybe it happens more than I know, but certainly I've never been almost hanged. Maybe it happens all the time, and it happened all the time in the, in the Wild West. It's, 
Well, I thought I thought that was a, a, a really interesting one as well in terms of kind of uh, the causation within the world and the narrative within the world. What you were being set up for was that he was constantly in in danger of losing his life mm. and not, repeatedly not. And then when he does at the end, it's a shock because it seems to be for comparatively yeah, little I reason. Was, I thought it was going to go away somehow in that in that sec- at the end. And that is a thing that, I mean, I think, Helen, you brought up, you know, uh, what are we supposed to feel, you know, about about these characters and their lives, like, and especially if they're, like, potentially so easily lost, which, again, like, on a, on a macrocosm is, like, in in life, what are we supposed to feel? Like, we feel as much as we do and want and can, and I think it is... It is good to be invested in, you know, obviously people in our lives that we care about, people that we don't know, everyone that we we can care about. Uh, and then similar, then we sort of, you know, project that onto characters. And so it does seem like sometimes there is, like speaking of consent, like, you know, an etiquette of uh, of a storyteller and the characters in a story, like usually like, okay, here are like, you're going to be taken care of. You want to feel like, okay, you're not, you're not going to just be like, here's somebody that you love and immediately take, and here's another one. And, and so it does at a certain point, it's like, there's a, a lot of calibration going on in this that is required. Like if you prefer like one long story with characters that don't just die for no reason, but because that became part of just the the way that th- these worlds worked, I I adjusted to it. I was like, oh, like- That's what's going to happen. And so whether or not James Franco died in the end of that episode, like I can, I now know that I can feel like, you know, the say I can feel however I want. I, I thought that was uh, interesting in that uh, someone who does this, I think quite well is Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. um, putting aside his private life. Uh, he is very good at setting up these narrative expectations, integrating characters into long-running plot plot arcs, playing on your expectations, and then killing them off extremely suddenly. Give us an example. But then, I mean, if we're allowed to spoil things... Uh, or maybe not, just give us the name of the TV series that you're thinking of, like Buffy uh, or Angel. Serenity or... would be one. Sure. Uh, but uh, so the way that he plays with that is is that he then will play out the reactions of the other characters. Mm. So, or, or Buffy is another one of that, oh, yeah. where a quite central character who everyone relies on emotionally is just taken away with no warning and for no reason. Yeah. Uh, in a world where people are constantly being killed by monsters, this one just dies yeah. in the way that people just die. And the the emotional reactions of others are played out around them. And I think maybe this is what felt like be- being cheated in this series was that you didn't really see the fallout. None of these characters seemed connected to other characters emotionally. Yeah, there's no, there's no through thread here. And as, I, I mean, reading the reviews and hearing what people say, and obviously Helen, well around this table um this film does seem very divisive and i didn't when people perhaps the reason i hadn't watched it before you recommended it was because people were saying oh no it's shit and then some people said oh no it's it's really good and i but i felt on the i fell on the oh this is really interesting i really enjoyed this uh, side of the coin do you have you got more well which which of the vignettes can you remember that you like the least now or well i mean i didn't really like any of it the only bit i really liked was brendan gleason at the end um, and that was it, really. I enjoyed oh, really? Him, him singing. And that, that was kind, <laughs> kind of it for me. Um, I mean, when I tried to watch this the first time around, I was watching it with some other people and we we all felt that we didn't want to continue watching it. Oh, really? So okay. had you not recommended it, I would never have gone back to it. Here's what I would say now 
uh, for people listening. I, I assume it's it would be weird for people to not have seen it and now have so many things spoiled. Like if I, so I don't know if you're listeners, if you haven't seen it, There's spoiler warnings yeah. before. Yeah. So if I get here, uh, then this is their it, own fault. But, it's a mixed bag with our listeners, isn't it? Sometimes people will just listen to the episode if they're kind of curious about the film, and yeah. then maybe go, oh yeah, and stop it before we kind of oh, go sure. too deep. Well, I we've already I think gone. Uh, this this deep, but I would recommend so for anyone talking to their friends. Uh, I would recommend that people recommend watching them one at a time. Like I sincerely, well, I mean, one like, and then go and make yeah. a cup of tea or come back the next day. Yeah, as like, if it was a series that you've imparted yourself. Yeah, I, I I feel like that's now you know I'm I'm fine enough, but since I'm fine enough doing it the way that I did, but with everything that everyone's saying, like I think that your point is great that let one end and then see, you know, even if you don't get to see how all the characters respond to the deaths and the the happenings in it, uh, you get to decide, you get to feel how you feel. You get to notice and think and sit. And I feel like some of them particularly, like, uh, you know, the the Zoe Kazan one, uh, Zoe Kazan, uh, that one, I feel like at, when that one ended, I was like, oh, like, I feel like there mm. was at least, you know, the, I feel like it ends with a character walking towards another character and it like the line uh, from the book that yeah. it, it reveals is like, you know. He didn't know he, how he was going to explain to Mr. He, Knapp. He didn't know what he was going to say. And like, oh, that's yeah. like, uh, we saw that at the beginning. We saw that that would be the last line or mm-hmm. that would be a line in it. And we're like, oh, which is another thing that I like that every episode began with, you know, a page like, like, like in an old fashioned book where mm-hmm. there's a picture from the story and then a caption of like a character saying something or the narrator saying something. And we're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what, you know, will that be? Is it ominous? Is it, you know, foreboding? Is it, is it positive? And that one was like, it seemed ambiguous. And you're like, oh, what, what could that mean? And then at the end, it's like, I mean, I think that's one of the uh, beautiful, so, beautiful things about art. How do you guys take to anthology series generally? Like Black Mirror is one at the top of my head where there's, there's a, a th- there's a thematic through line through them all but you don't see characters appear do you guys you know do you like that when you hear a new episode a new series of black mirrors coming up are you excited or are you thinking well i wanted to spend a bit more time with the guys from white bear or the guys from a different episode i think weirdly doing stand-up has um made me well also uh, reading sort of novels but stand-up particularly you you see somebody's shows over years mm. and they might not be speaking about the same characters in their lives, but you know it's their world, the world in which they live. And so I, I quite like that idea. I think Black Mirror and this movie, Buster Scruggs, uh, both um, tend towards darkness mm. and I'm not sure if the form lends itself to that because of, of not needing to be long-term connected to any of the characters, which means that the writers feel more free about ruining them. <laughs> Uh, ruining their lives or playing them out in full, uh, which I think can be depressing. I don't watch Black Mirror anymore, partly because I think it's a very depressing view of the world. Yeah, I mean, life is kind of hard enough and entertainment when you're watching it and it's telling you, yeah, this is really fucked up. I'm a bit like, mm, yeah, I know that. Can you say something a bit different? Well, I I understand completely what you are saying. And I think obviously everyone's life experience is different. I mean, perhaps if you've had an easier life in some ways, then you will engage with darkness differently. But similarly, like, as a comedian, like I've seen like some comedians will talk about, let's say, cancer. And like there might be people in the audience who have dealt with that, who then find it cathartic and mm. connecting. And there might be other people that are like, please, like I deal with it. I've dealt with this thing enough. Like I think sometimes people engage with certain kinds of art to 
you know, to connect, and sometimes they engage with it to escape. Tignataro, when she was diagnosed with cancer, and she first thing she did was go on stage and release, and you can tell for her that was that's what she needed to do after a horrible period in her life. That was. Uh, the way she had it, got it out there, not that like twenty-minute section for stand-up. I listen to that quite often, and I think sometimes cry at the end of it because it's, it's so powerful. Oh yes, and which is also different slightly than what we're talking about, where like Black Mirror isn't somebody being like, "Oh, my memories were put into a tiny version of myself and then tortured for weeks and weeks, and so that's why I have to get this art out there." Uh, but I do think that I, I completely understand why someone might not want to go down, you know, the darkness rabbit hole that. They do, but sometimes, like sometimes when for me, when I, I feel like it used to be, if I experienced sadness, I'd be like, well, I don't want to do that. I'd like to experience happiness. So I like won't address it. I won't process it. I will just sort of like, you know, wait and not ignore it, but just like focus on like seek out different emotions, seek out, you know, like positive things, joyful things. And now, I mean, not to say that I don't still have tendencies to do that, but now at least sometimes when I'm feeling a way that I wouldn't wish myself to feel, I'll be like, oh, I'm feeling that way. I'm like, hey, I'm, not, I'm supposed to feel good. I'm like, oh no, I'm not supposed to feel good. Ah, that makes me feel better. And so I think that sometimes, you know, uh, art that, you know, presents a potentially realistic, if not, you know, cynical view of some parts of life can also provide that release to be like, oh yeah, every, like if somebody's feeling anxiety or uh, is, you know, potentially, if not clinically depressed, be like, to know that other people are experiencing these things can be uh, resonant and connecting as well. It sounds like the, the overall plot to Inside Out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we're going to go to the score soon, but um, like I did ask generally, but no one has given me a definitive answer which was their favourite or not vignette. Um, I'm going to go to you, Alice, before we go into the score. Which which ones struck you most or, or least? Um, I don't know that I would say I have a favourite. I'm, I feel like uh, I'm maybe more on Helen's side of this in that I, I didn't enjoy it hugely. Mm. Well, I, I enjoyed... Parts of it, I'm torn about it. Some of the visuals were incredible, yeah. and and as such, I think the most the most beautiful looking one um, was probably the prospector, and the one that I found the saddest uh, was the orator. The, yes. Yes. Okay. Because meal tickets. Meal tickets. Yeah. Because it was maybe more connected to experiences that I've I've seen. It was a very much a metaphor for the entertainment industry. By the way, you guys are busting your asses off, and then there's some clown like, <laughs> falling over on their ass, and they're making they're attracting more attention. Yes, the sort of the randomness of the taste of the audience. Yeah. And in this instance, this sort of very beautiful and gone time where people were willing to sit and listen to oratory and, and art um, that I think is, is no longer really... Because that was a powerful... When they first did it, even though you didn't hear the full speech, any of the speeches that the orator did, it was really kind of... I was, like, taken aback by it uh, and the way they set it up and pulled out the curtain. Oh, yeah. It was uh, a fabulous production and well-received mm. the first time. The first time. Do you, um, do you guys recognise who the orator was? Uh, I, I remember looking up the actor, but I've forgotten because I'm terrible with names. Well, he played uh, Dursley the, the, uh, in Harry Potter. Yes, ah. that's it. Yeah. He was a very solid actor. Yeah. I was quite surprised when I was like, that's completely not what I thought he'd be doing now, but, but good for him. Yes. Uh, Mike, yourself? Uh, I mean, the one, I definitely, uh, I loved, the. I, I liked a lot of it uh, more than a lot of people, perhaps, and 
less than others. Uh, he said, saying nothing. Um, <laughs> the last one, I think, is one that I would want to, like, watch again, like, right now. I think I would... Uh, I, if I had to watch one over and over again, maybe the, the prospector made me feel good while mm -hmm. it was happening. Uh, because some of it is like, you can see it once. And then once you know what it is, like, you're like, oh, like, it's like, oh, there's the surprise. If it's a surprise type thing. But some of the, like, I love watching, uh, the, the banker, but, uh, yeah, it's, I guess I'll, if I had to pick one, which I don't, you can't make me, uh, there's a gun like, to your head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, I also, I think the first one is the most like representative of of the whole thing as like you know the the wacky like you know who knows what could happen uh but yeah i guess i'll i'll say the last one the the final one really like impacted me mm. in a specific way because of also like it's i think there's no specific clarity it, it, it you get to you get to do a lot more like thinking and wondering and and feeling yeah. about lots of things in it I think I, I'd go for the Prospector one. I just thought Tom Waits by himself telling that story against that backdrop. Um, and there's a kind of analogy to humans coming in, scaring off the animals. Um, and, you know, it's an analogy for what's happening in the world right now, isn't it? And uh, it does have singing in it as well, yeah. a little bit. And, uh, and at the end, Mother I do McCree, like... I think the song he's singing. Yeah. And then the animals, uh, they do get to come back at the end when the humans are gone. Exactly. That is and nice. the lights, you know, yeah, I calling didn't it Mr. Pocket. I didn't see that as ending particularly hopefully because he has been <laughs> shot in the gut, which in those but days... But it went clean through. Yeah, but that's not how gut shots work. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's that's the worst just... place to be shot, isn't it? Yeah. Because it, basically all the bile and everything in yeah, your gut yeah, attacks goes, the body from the inside. Real quick. I mean... I think this is just a Rorschach for like, whatever you feel like. The, yeah. Yeah. The way that it could go, we see the next scene. I, it would be really fun. You know, like Doug Benson, the comedian, did a, a an album once where it was every track was a sequel, a continuation to the album that he did the year before. And so I'd like to see uh, that for this. I'd like to see the next scene, you know, one for another vignette for each. Okay. Why not? Well, that might be Buster Scruggs too. Yeah. Well, Buster doesn't make it, so... Well, we'll find... We, we'll find they out. can do other stuff. They can they do can, a, pre a prequel. They can repair gunshot wounds to the head. Um, okay, guys, we're going to go to the scores. Uh, the first... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Score is for recommendability out of five. Uh, Mike, you chose this and you can go to decimal places as many as you want. Um, out of five, how highly would you recommend... Uh, I mean, it's such a... The Buster Scruggs. I can't say that this morning. It's very early, guys. We're recording on a Saturday morning. It's a difficult thing to mathematize because, <laughs> like, there are certain things that I recommend, you know, that I would be 100% the highest number to mm. everybody, even if, you know, not everybody will enjoy everything. Like Calvin and Hobbes, you know, like oh, everyone should. The Muppets, fair. you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, the Princess Bride, perhaps. Like, uh, but for some things, I'm like, you know, if somebody's like, oh, listening to this or thinking about it, or I like the Coen brothers, like, I, d I think I want to see it. Do you think I should see it? I'm like, if you think you want to, then do. And if somebody's like, eh, I don't know, I don't think I want to, then I'd be like, then don't. So I feel like uh, similarly, uh, it's this, it, this number is not going to be for everyone, but I'll, I'll give it, 
Uh, a 4.5. Out of 5? We're doing out of 5? Out of 5, yeah. Okay, great, yeah. Uh, Alice? I think that it is worth watching, um, even if you find out that you don't enjoy it, because I think it's interesting mm-hmm. and the things that it tries are worth trying. I'm a big believer in failure. I think this is probably a very interesting failure. So I would say (laughs) more recommendation than not recommendation, give it a 3, 3.5. Which one? Uh, Make it 3.5. Let's be positive. Yeah. (laughs) Helen? Um, I was going to go lower, but I've kind of been talked around listening. So I'm going to give it a 2. I mean, I did not enjoy this, engage with it. At all, and if that's not a game, I knew I like vignettes in a film, and I like chapters in films, and you know, multi-story plotline films. But nothing about this I was engaged with or cared about. I mean, I don't like westerns as a genre, so maybe I was never ever going to like this anyway mm. because of its its content. Um, I would say if you haven't seen it and you're a Coen Brothers fan, then you should probably see it. But I mean. I, yeah, wasn't for me. So two. Yeah, I'm going to go for a four here. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm more than I thought I was going to because I think I was, I felt like well, I wasn't going to because Hail Caesar was had some fun bits, but generally I thought it was a bit it was too dull, long, bit dull as a as an oh, overall see, kind of I concept. I loved Hail Caesar as a, a sort of a, a beautiful tribute to the golden age of Hollywood, yeah. but. I guess yeah, I was I was going in there very... expecting a, a a proper cohesive story, which they kind of presented, but then it, it wasn't that. My favourite bit was the um, the dancing, the same Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum dancing. Was that him dancing? Yeah, yeah. great. I mean, uh, he he made his career on Step Up, right? Mm. He's, he's I, a uh, legit dancer. Oh, I saw him dancing in Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's going to be caveated that if I, if I recommend it to people, like you say, Mike, if someone says, should I watch it? Then I'll be like, if you think you should watch it, yeah, I think you probably enjoy it because you've been considering it. Um, and if you like Coen Brothers, as Helen says, absolutely watch it because if you like Coen Brothers, it doesn't mean anything because their films are wildly different and yeah, give it a go. And it's also interesting, like to look, if you just look at the average of even our, you know, we are, we all widely uh, varied on how we felt about it. It's like you could have a thing that the average is three, mm. where it was all threes, and then I would say, ah, who cares? You know, you got a sixty percent. Yeah. Uh, but if you have something that's like you know a bunch of fives and a bunch of ones, like that's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is like more like that. Uh, repeat viewing score, Mike. Uh, I'll also I'll give it a a four. Yeah, I'll give it a four. Okay. Manny for that last section. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely. Uh, like I haven't repeated viewing it yet, but I definitely plan to repeat view at least some of it. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Actually. It's a shame it's not divided up into chapters on Netflix so you can scrub through. But you, um, can, you can find it. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't think I would watch it again. I'd, I'd give it a two. I'm, I'm glad that I did, yeah. but I don't think I'd do it again. Helen? I've already done one in a bit. I am not <laughs> going to go back. Um, it's a big fat zero. Zero. Um, I'm going to go for a four. I, I definitely will watch some parts of it again and maybe not all of it, but I, I really genuinely took something from each section um, and the last one left me a bit depressed, so maybe I'd do the same thing again where I watched the first five. I thought the, the fourth one was quite depressing the way Zoe Zoe kills herself at the end. Oh, yes. Um, it's very sad. Yeah, that's pretty dark, so maybe watch the first four, leave it at the prospect and then come back and hit up the, sec- the last two. Or watch them in a different order. Put them in your own order. True, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go for three and a half. All right. 
Okay, small screen score. Uh, do you want an explanation of this one, guys? Uh, yes, please. So small screen score is, so if it has a, uh, if you really want to see this in a cinema with a, you know, the, the biggest screen possible on IMAX, then it's a low small screen score. So this, these scoring systems based on the fact you're watching on Netflix and at, at home, um, potentially. So if it works well for a small screen, so some documentaries or, you know, smaller films, you think, I'm, yeah, if I'd gone to cinema, I would have been pissed off that I spent £15 on a ticket, then the home screen experience is the best, and that's a, oh, sure. that's a five. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'd say then uh, I'm very happy that I watched it without going anywhere. So I'll say it's a five. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would agree. For it, which surprised me for something that has such incredibly vast cinematography and such mm. precise um, focus in the way that the the cameras are used. It was also clearly built for the small screen, and so I'd give it a five for that. Helen, see, this is really interesting because I was watching it, and as I was watching it and checking my emails and (laughs) making my dinner, I was thinking if I'd have seen this at the cinema, I would be more forced to engage with it. And I would have sat through all of it without, you know, getting up and not pausing it. And, and it would have made me do that. So does that relate more to the engagement score than the small screen? But also a little bit in Mm. that it's, had it been a, a series or like, you know, like a, the, the, like you said, you know, you could put your your own order in them. Then I feel I may have engaged with it slightly better. So in that its format as a film, but for being made for the small screen, it's kind of shot itself in the foot where it could have been made filmatically as a TV series. Mm-hmm. It could have been better, if that makes sense. It's sort of. It's not exactly this, but it's sort of like uh, you know. It, the food is so expensive, uh, so, or it's like its food is bad and the portions are so small, you know? Yeah. Like the, I didn't like it, uh, but if they had showed it to me and I couldn't stop watching it, then maybe I would have enjoyed being made to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I think, I mean, I will admit, you know, this, the scenery and the way it looks, they've made it as a film, mm. but we're obviously consuming it on our TV screens and that they put all this effort in to make it look so beautiful. Why shouldn't it be on a big screen and to have that experience and kind of be taken into this mini world they've created? So I think normally I'm quite a fan of films that have been made, um, you know, for Netflix. And I think it's a great idea that they, they're given us this opportunity to watch it in our home. But I think with this, you know, it's been made as a film and it should be viewed. I, don't, a bit I should more. say, I don't know how, I don't know whether it was a Netflix buy in or mm. if they were. But uh, I, I didn't see it, it got a release over here in the cinemas. I can't remember seeing it. In America as well. There, it's in some like physical a very places. limited. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but and I do believe it was produced by Netflix. Uh, what was it? so? Yes, yeah, so Netflix. So they came to Netflix and said, "We got this idea." And Netflix said, "Here's some money. You I, can think, do I, it. Think so. I think possibly okay. Netflix came to them and said, "We'll give you some money. Do yeah. something interesting." Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is yeah. So I'm I'm going to go straight down the middle with two point five because I, I think it, I would have maybe engaged more with it or at least it would have forced me to had I watched it in the cinema I'm going to go for a one here I really I thought some of the scenery was stunning um, and with a Wild West with a big kind of expansive kind of road movie type thing 
I know it wasn't a road movie, but he had some... Uh, the Oregon Trail, oh, for sure. example, looked amazing. The Prospect looked amazing. Um, segment looked amazing. I think I would have enjoyed it more um, in a cinema. And, and the Coen brothers tend to have either the really intimate films... Um, or the, you know something like um, uh, uh, no country not co- no country no, no country for all men that looks amazing in the cinema for example yeah I mean I um, most of the films that I've seen of theirs I've always tried to go and see them in the, in the cinema. cinema I mean Roger I Deakins was their de facto cinematographer which meant that you know you should want to, you mm. want to see it in the cinema and this guy has taken over him is not is doing a great job as well so I would like to have seen this in the cinema for. See, I think it might up. have been a bit overwhelming in a cinema. Oh, really? Because the focus was so um, precise. It was sort of over, you know, over-sharpened. I think it might have been a bit painful to watch in a cinema. Oh, no. Well, for two hours and 13 minutes, probably a bit painful as well. <laughs> um, engagement score. Mike, how engaged were you whilst watching it? Did you feel the need to check IMDb, Wikipedia, uh, do your taxes? Uh, there, I mean, the only thing that I wanted to check was a uh, thing that you guys know on, on Amazon when you watch shows, like you can move, the, X, right? move the cursor and then they show, yeah, they show the actors and yeah. the songs and uh, like, you know, there were so many actors in this. They're like, who, who is that? What, what are they? How do I? And uh, so I feel like that is like the, that is more engagement with, with it. I wanted to be able to engage more, but I did. So I did engage maximally. Uh and it was it was a little long, but I did. I feel like the fact that it was you know six, uh, you know not bite sized, but like I liked there being uh, beginnings and endings, uh, and it it didn't just like fly through. But uh, I'll I'll get a four for that, Alice. Uh, well, I stopped watching after the prospector, so I'll give it a th- three. <laughs> Why did you stop? You said you just wanted to take well, a break. In, in terms of, yeah, I took yeah. a break for a couple of days. I couldn't I couldn't stomach more of it. So by definition, I only <laughs> engaged with two-thirds of it. So Helen? I'm trying to think. I can't remember the last time I was so unengaged with a film, and it's really weird. And I don't know if it's, you know, the, the what I've said before about not seeing it in the, in the cinema, which I think would have helped, but I just really, it just didn't do anything for me. And... I only watched it until the end because obviously, you know... You were required. I was required to (laughs) and I would have never ever come back. So, a zero. Oof. Oof. I know, sorry. I mean, it's... I was just trying to think. I mean, we've had films before which... I should have liked this film or I should have felt a bit more or I should have been able to go, yeah, I kind of like this story, um, but I wasn't much of a fan of that one. But yeah, I really didn't like this film. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that... Well, the Twitter reaction, which we'll come to shortly, was, was kind of divided as well. But um, I'm su- quite surprised that there wasn't at least one which you thought, yeah, that was my... That's my, that's my boy. I, mean, I, I guess I kind of enjoyed seeing Tom Waits on the screen, but other than that, I didn't... That's fair enough. Um, yeah. Well... It's, it's, it's your own reaction. Um, You're not in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> you did the assignment. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for four here. I really, I did really enjoy it. And at the start, I was, I was like, um, didn't really get what was going on with the with the singing cowboy. I mm-hmm. thought if that's going to be this kind of story all the way through. I thought it was going to be like a narrator. Oh yeah. Kind of going through it. Um, and then when it changed to a different style with um, with James Franco and these. Obviously, going to rob the bank. The bank teller fights back on him, 
and they've, uh, Franco thinks he's got away with it, but then Bank Teller comes out with the with the pans on his head and his, all this kind of nonsense is going on. The next thing, he's on a horse and he's nearly been hanged. And I just had no idea what was going to happen next. So for that kind of setup, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep on watching this and I'm fully invested. Um, I mean, the costume design was astonishing. And I'm yeah. going to say this in the wrong way because I only know her as Marie Val- Valeriano's wife, uh, Mary, who did the costume design, which you shouldn't refer to people by reference to who they're married to. Uh, but she had this incredible... The costume design was amazing and particularly that Pots and Pans outfit yeah. was hilarious mm-hmm. and yeah. sort of sad at the same time and that was all in the costuming. Um, and that gives us an overall score of 3.03. Um, so That's three out of five perfect. stars, yeah. yeah. Um, and let's head to the Twitter and find out what uh, people are saying. So when we, um, when we review films, if you follow us on Twitter, we will always put a, a shout out with a little gif. We'll say we're reviewing the name of the film and our guests and ask, us, ask the, uh, the followers to um, share your reviews. So with the first review, uh, Mike, can you say the first review from from these guys? Uh, Just read it? Yes, please. Oh, yes. It's another jumbled mess by the hit or miss Coen brothers. Started off strong, but went downhill quickly. Pretty to look at, but nonsensical. At least it wasn't a serious man. I quite enjoyed a serious man. Uh, they thought that was a besotted geek pod. Did they uh, give? Did they come back with a star rating? They, they didn't, didn't do the little star rating. They didn't come out with a star rating. Um, Alice, can you say the next one? Uh, four stars and one of my favourite movies of 2018. The stories range from slapstick to darkly com- comedic to tragic. Beautiful cinematography and a beautiful score by Carter Burwell. A great latter-day movie by the Coen brothers, and that's by somebody called The Superiority Complex. And then they bumped it up to five stars because Mike liked that comment. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, it's a currying favour there, Mike. Doing what I can. (laughs) Um, Helen, do you want to say the next one? Yeah, so the next one is from Easy Riders Raging Podcast, um, one of our previous guests. As with all anthology films, this is a mixed bag. But it's a mixed bag by the bloody Coen brothers, so it's a hell of a lot better than most films you'll see. Well worth checking out, four stars, with my highlight being the Tom Waits story, which looked amazing. Uh, Mike, do you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, from Top Film Tip, quick-witted gun-slinging singers, gold-prospecting murderers, innocent lovers, executions escaped, and otherworldly journeys in Cohen's Western anthology. Hashtag The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Slightly disappointing mixed bag of fools slash gold. Uh, and then there appear to be two guns and five pickaxes. Two out of five there, um, they're saying. Um, Alice. Uh, Tom Hanks Defense Force says... <laughs> Jack loved it, but thought the first few stories were better. I don't know who Jack is in no. this story, yeah, but... Uh, it was a vague review. Tom, though. who is Jack? Come back to us. Um, and the last person has just tweeted... They've just sent a link to another tweet they did, so they haven't done it for us specifically. So it's kind of a mixed bag here. Yeah. Uh, some people, two out of five. Yeah, half the people said they loved it, half the people said they didn't, which is what we kind of got around the table. So, um, guys, if you like the Coen Brothers, watch it, and but don't expect to necessarily like it, I think is the... Is the outcome of that? Uh, yeah, I think I also uh, like Helen. Uh, westerns aren't my like Im- immediate go-to. Mm. Like that's not a, a genre. I've definitely loved some, and but it's not like like dumb action movies is kind of <laughs> mo- like I think like yeah I'll see a a good dumb action movie. But yeah, I think westerns were the, uh, the superheroes of early Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, and but like a, a thing that just one more note that I wanted to add is in the first in the very first vignette. 
like when he comes into the bar uh, and sits down at a card table, I'm like, ooh, I do love poker movies. Like I love <laughs> poker scenes. And then all of a sudden it's not that anymore. And I'm like, well, this is, I wish, I wish they, like, I, I wish they'd played poker. <laughs> well, there's, there's a good poker film called Rounders. Oh, of course. I've seen, yes. Good. There's okay. a, it's a oh, for poker films. Yeah. It's not, uh, there's but, not a lot of them. Um, guys, can you let us know uh, how people can find you who are listening and uh, say say thank you very much and goodbye to, to those guys? I will do that. Uh, Mike Kaplan is who I am uh, at M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N, uh, wherever you want to find it. Albums, podcasts, specials, oh my. And thank you very much for listening and for having me. And I'm Alice Fraser, F-R-A-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Or I put up uh, blogs and videos on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. Fantastic. Great. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Flix Watcher Podcast. Leave us your five-star review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. And if you aren't already get yourself subscribed thank you so much to Brendan Russell for his amazing editing skills and to the lovely people mighty people for the tunes that you can hear right now <laughs>